I had a lot of friends and family visiting me this weekend, and some of them are still here. But when my family gathers, as when many families gather, we tell stories about times in the past, and I'll tell you, nobody's mentioned in this story I'm about to tell who's here tonight. But it's a favorite story of ours from 11 years ago, about the day before my sister got married. Now there's two facts that we all agree on. The one is that the wedding was in Columbus, Ohio. The second one is that when my parents arrived in Columbus, Ohio, their wedding clothes were still in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And there is where the agreement ends. But that's the great part of the story. When you hear different members of the family tell it, you hear different versions of who left the clothes behind, who brainstormed what we would do about it, and who saved the day. And that's the beauty of it. Now we're scientific people and maybe we say, well, don't we want to know the truth, the objective truth? Well, there are times in families when we definitely need to tell the truth to one another, especially if somebody is doing abusive things to themselves or to other people, behaviors that are damaging and destructive. But in this case, if we had the truth, our family would be less. Because each of the stories adds to the tapestry of who my family is. And we get more depth and more color. Life is like that a lot of times. It is a complex thing. And sometimes the complexity drives us crazy. But it also is often what brings the beauty and the humor to life. Now, we can apply this analogy, I think, in two ways to our readings today. First of all, they're all about conflicts within family. But the other way we can think about it is that here we have four voices of the Judeo-Christian family, each with a slightly different perspective on what we should do about conflicts within family. So we can think of crazy Uncle Ezekiel with the crazy visions, but he knows what he's talking about, who says that we are responsible to one another and we will be held accountable if we do not take care of one another. And then we have the psalmist, and I think of her as the poet of the family, who's the most in touch with emotions. And she says that we really need to listen, especially to listen to the voice of God, even in the midst of conflict. And then we have cousin Paul, who was a bit of a rebel when he was growing up, but now is seen as a sage in the family, who says that even in conflict, in all our relationships, love must be at the root. And then we have Jesus with this very familiar passage. He definitely says that there are times when our family has conflict, we must address it. When our brother or sister sins. But not every conflict is a sin. Leaving the clothes behind, you know, in Pittsburgh, well, not the greatest thing, but I, I wouldn't call it actually sinful. I don't know if all my family all agrees with that. But um, we definitely do have to speak the truth sometimes. But when we look at the phrases of that passage and we get into it, we have to be careful that it doesn't become 
every time we have conflict, we are right and somebody else is wrong, and that's what it's about. It's about treating each other with love. For example, Jesus says, if the person does not change their behavior, treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector. Now, we have at least eight scripture scholars in the house, but I'm going to, you're not allowed to participate in this. But we have a question for you all. What are some examples in the Gospels of how Jesus treated Gentiles and tax collectors? Shout them out or raise your hand. He ate. He ate with them. Okay, what else? Equally. He treated them as equals. Yes. Right. There was a tax collector who became a disciple. His name was Matthew. And he wrote this passage. Right? This is the Gospel of Matthew. Okay. What else? Pardon me? He healed them. That's right. We have the story of the Roman centurion also in Matthew. And, he's, and Jesus says, you have more faith than anyone in Israel. And the Romans were the oppressors of the Israelites. But he healed the Roman centurion's relative. He also healed the Canaanite woman's relative. Any other thoughts? Great job. Great job, everyone. So, we need to speak up in times of conflict when there is sin involved. But I find in my life the times that I'm most willing to speak up in conflict not always based in love as Paul says it should be sometimes I think I'm actually more interested in excommunication proving that I'm right they're wrong, I don't have to do anything more if they don't change but Jesus makes it very clear whenever we correct or try to correct a brother or sister when they sin it is to build or to strengthen our communion, communion with one another and our communion with God Today, we have so many chances, so many opportunities to do excommunication. We have so many news channels. We can get all our news from a news station that tells us what we want to hear, the perspective, the side that we want to see. We can use the internet for, with programs like Pandora, so we only listen to music we already like and we don't hear anything new. More and more people are relaxing in their backyards alone, rather on the front stoop, talking with their neighbors. And so it's so hard for us to really attempt to stay in communion rather than work on excommunication. This week, I'm resolving to both try to see more perspectives of people I disagree with not as being sinful, trying to embrace more perspectives like the family stories. I resolved this week that I'm going to sign up for at least two services that give me articles written by commentators who have different political views than me to broaden my perspective because I really believe most people in this country want to do what's right. I don't think it's that one party has all the answers and everybody else is stupid. But we're getting there with our political process, more of one against the other. Then as well as when it comes to addressing someone who sins against me, well, I run into a lot of people every week and they're like me, they're human. So I'm sure by the end of the week, 
I'll have plenty of fodder. And I resolve I will talk to someone about that. That's the easy part. But will I say it in love? I think that's beyond me. But Jesus said at the end of this passage, we sort of forget it goes with this whole thing about addressing those who sin. He says, if two people pray for the same thing, God will grant it. Well, if we pray for communion, maybe we will get that. And he also says, if two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus will be with us. So again, if we can try, when we have these conflicts, to, do, to speak to people in the name of Jesus, hopefully the Holy Spirit will provide for us where we lack. Now here at St. Camillus, we are so blessed with the sense of the gifts of diversity. We have people from several continents who worship here together. And at this Mass in particular, we always have a few people visiting from other parish families. And all this diversity we have learned over the years can create a little bit of extra work. But when we do that work, we have learned here that we are better able to celebrate that we are gathered in Jesus' name, in unity. We share one bread at one table to be the one body of Christ.